The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix podcast. Tune in today. everyone and welcome to On The Rag for February. Uh, we're here in the kind of dark, um, <laughs> it's fine, with <laughs> Michelle. Kia orana. And Leonie. Kia ora. And we're here to talk about the past month in news about women, for women, the media, the world. Just have a chat as always. All of it. All of the things. We have some really big news though to start off with, and it's positive news, which is always a good, always a good start. Good way to start. We're getting a new sponsor coming on from next month officially, but we're too excited about it to keep it secret. The Women's Bookshop <gasps> from Ponsonby Road. I'm so pleased about that. That is one of the my favourite places in the whole country, oh that bookshop. Yeah. It's really great. And Carol, who runs it and I think owns it, I don't know if she does, but she's <laughs> one of the finest humans on the planet, so I'm really excited. Yeah, it's if you've never been there before and you live in Auckland, just go. It's like... It's like a utopia like <laughs> when you go in there because people are just coming out and they're like, oh, hi, Carol, how are you doing? Everyone knows each other and you feel like the second you kind of step in the door, you're like, I'm part of this now. Yeah. Yes. I don't know what it is. but It's I... just up on Ponsonby Road, across the road from Ponsonby Central. And they also do online sales. So yeah. you can mm. go to their website if you don't live in Auckland and buy stuff there. If you ever get to go to a book launch at Carol's Place, she's really famous for uh, guacamole. People, I think, I'm not sure if this is true, but I think people (laughs) actually write books specifically so they can be launched at her bookshop (laughs) and they can have some of her guacamole. I'm pretty sure how that What's the secret? What's the the good sell on the glass? I don't know. It's a perfect combination of lime and chilli. I don't know what her magic (laughs) ingredient is. And uh, no, you just have to go and and smear it all over. I bet she doesn't (laughs) add any bollocks like sour cream or yogurt or anything like that. It makes me wild when people do that. But you've got to stretch it. it. You've got to stretch the mix with the sour cream. Do you not think? Because I'm a a little bit about bulk. Versus oh, like right. <laughs> no, I'd rather have a small amount of um, really good guac or just elbow other fuckers out of the way is True. the best way to do it. <laughs> True. And double dipping is just fine. load up like off. eight chips yeah. at a time. The first on the rag event I at the women's you. bookshop is going to be a guacamole fight. Yeah. <laughs> Featuring oh, Michelle. So that's real exciting. I feel like we're a really good sort of spiritual match. Yeah. Um, yeah there's yeah. just the most amazing catalogue there. Every time I walk in, we're just saying off mic that it's like, I need to just buy everything. Yeah. You know, I need I need every single thing here. Mm. So if you find yourself there, tell them that on the rag sent you and... Um, that would be really great. But they'll come on board properly next month and we'll have sort of giveaways and, you know, lists and we might start sort of an official, more official than ever before book club. Oh, Yay. that's a good idea. That's an incentive. Mm. It's good. It's a good Excellent. incentive. So, yeah, what else should we talk about from the month? There's been some grim news that has come out of the law world in, mm. in uh, New Zealand from the firm Russell McVeigh. Who knew that in an industry uh, so male-dominated that there might be some sexual harassment going on of young interns? And not just young interns either, just, yeah. So it's been the coverage I found fascinating right from the get-go with it. It's a a really well-researched story that broke on a newsroom by the inimitable Melanie Reed, who is extraordinary and fabulous and has been, you know, has a body of work for a couple of decades of doing really good investigative reporting on television and, and uh, is now doing it for newsroom. And it's just, it, it's 
still the initial response from so many people within the law firm and within the law sector and in the media was, here's what these young women should be doing to stop themselves being sexually harassed and assaulted. Mm -hmm. Don't drink the free booze at the gatherings. Don't wear the... And come on. Nobody was pointing fingers at middle-aged and older men in suits who were taking advantage of those women and, you know, making menus of them and scoring them out of 10 yeah. and doing all those those outrageous things that you think only happened 20 years ago. Yeah. And then the, the subsequent revelations that, like, students um, on placements and uh, established... Um, Russ McVeigh members and partners having sex with each other at like parties and stuff on the premises. Yeah. And that no one thought, because it was consensual, no one thought to investigate further, which is just astounding to me because it may have been consensual, but there's still a power dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. There's still people in power and people with less power. And that comes into play regardless of whether the sex is consensual. It's just so inappropriate for a workplace. Also, just health and safety. The, the, yeah. the, <laughs> the stickiness of people having sex in the office. Just, and you come in the next day and just open your laptop. And, and HR's like, this is fine. Yeah. Cool. You guys fine. Were, all into were you it, right? into it? Were you into it? Well, I see no reason to talk about this yeah. ever again. Let's drop that down the big shoot where we drop all the other things. <laughs> like that bad egg shooting Willy Wonka. I mean, word on the street though as well, and obviously one can't discuss details, but there are other big law firms that oh, are yeah, just as bad and that those stories are waiting in the wings. It's not yeah. just Ru Russ McVeigh that are... Mm. You know, no. the bad egg and everyone else is all, like, pristine because that's definitely, definitely not the case. So this is the thing about the Me Too movement since last October is that initially people go, oh, it's just Hollywood. And then yeah. they go, oh, it's just the entertainment industry. Oh, yeah. it's just this particular law firm. It's because they're so rich <laughs> and they've got so much money and therefore so much power, but regular men do not behave like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, sure, we like to think. But yeah. that's not true. It's endemic, it's systemic. I can't remember the difference between mm. those things, but it's definitely emic of some kind. Yeah, and it's going to keep moving, right? And we're going to have law, and then there's going to be other kind of sectors, and then it will move down to, like, hospo, yep. you know? Yep. All of oh, that, yeah. it, it's all just waiting. Yep. And it's it's crazy that people still think these are isolated incidents. Yeah. That this isn't all part of a giant thing we've all been screaming about for a yeah. really long time. Yeah. You know? This is the thing, like, to digress slightly, but people talking about the fucking David Seymour's minotaur sexy cow woman shit. <laughs> that people can't see how stuff like that is linked to all the other things in the world. Like, it's on the continuum, right? If yeah. you're wearing a t-shirt with a prone naked woman on it that, and that says got meat, it's part of it. It's all related. It's all on the whole... Um, excuse me, but she had a cow's head, so... Oh, um, so she was not, she not a lady. It was actually just idolising meat, oh. not sexualising was it. <laughs> was it, was it um, the objectification of bovine animals? Is that the problem? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you not think cows are hot? No. <laughs> David Seymour does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But, yeah, it's... Uh, it's really grim and, you know, I, I know young women who are currently working in that world who have told, like, you know, I've heard stories of their first, before they go to their first party, literally being pulled aside and, and told, this is who you stay away from. This is what you don't do. Like, in a very functional kind of everyday right. sort of a way. And I'm like, so someone's taking the time out to say that to them. Yeah. You know, outside of people on the internet saying horrible kind of slut shamey comments that's actually happening like so there's a whisper network again that yeah. is uh that that is um where the responsibility is again put on women to stay away from those particular men as opposed to those men being confronted for their behavior yeah mm. i've just finished rose mcgowan's book brave and in it one of the things that really struck me is that she became a victim of weinstein in 1997 because she had just arrived in the film and television industry in the film industry really she was at the Sundance Festival so she hadn't grown up in that world and she hadn't mm. done an apprenticeship as a young actor so she wasn't privy to the Whisper Network so nobody warned her about him 
Um, so she, there was no way she could get that information to stay away from him. Not that it was a particularly useful piece of information for obviously plenty of other women, but it shows you how the Whisper Network is not the way to protect us. Yeah. Mm. How, you, yeah. how did you find that book on the whole? Problematic. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. I mean, I'm. I, I'm really pleased that she wrote it, and as a moment in time for the Me Too movement, mm. it's a really important capturing of that but it's there as a book as a thing that you read it's a quite dissatisfying experience quite hard um kind of oddly compulsive but but it's a really hard read and I just feel like she's somebody who hasn't processed so much of what's gone on mm. in her life not just that moment with who she calls him the monster she won't use his name in the book but her whole life it's so yeah so problematic but um her description of the assault in 1997 is it's really harrowing but it's also really detailed and absolutely authentic mm. and as a description of what an assault makes a woman feel during and after it's um can i say sublime about something like that it's just it's so authentic and you mm. just go yeah that is exactly what it's like you've mm. captured that yeah, yeah. i find mm. it so i find her so hard <laughs> she's really when all hard, the eh? when she had that freak out in the bookshop and then yeah. i went back yeah. and i listened to all the things she said and i was like fuck don't put your labels on me man is all i picked up what what else was she she said that the the trans person who was calling her out um, was on it was from a different planet, and then I went back and she had said some stuff on RuPaul's podcast actually about um, it, at its essence it does sound quite sort of turfy, like you know, um, talking about how the the experiences are not are not the same growing up, but we're fighting the same fight, and I don't know, just that real sort of defensive. I just found it really yeah. difficult to be like, oh, you're the saviour. But then also she's been through hell, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. God, it's so, it's so tricky. I'm also really aware that the world is out to get her. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I so don't want to contribute to that. But I think she's she's got some real stuff to process yeah. that goes right back. She doesn't back. have to be the saviour. And, you no, know, no. You don't, being a good feminist um, doesn't mean that we sort of have to approve of everything That's she right. does. Yeah. And says, yeah. I think that's one of the good things about like the sisterhood is that you can sort of hold more than one thing in your mind to be true, and that is she's brave and that she said some really important stuff, and also she's not perfect she, yeah, and she's doesn't flawed. necessarily represent all of us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. And there's also the great irony that like like everything that she's sort of talking about and has been forced to do in her life, she's doing this all publicly. Yeah, you know, in a very Part of that might be her putting herself out there, but that is as sort of an advocate and a spokesperson. Yeah. And doing that, that means everything is out there. Mm. She's learning publicly, which is, you know, yeah. always a great thing to do. No, that's all right. That's a really good point. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Interesting. Hey, mm. while we're talking about imperfect feminists, should we launch our <laughs> brand new segment that I've been trying to kick off for ages? <laughs> so I got inspired by the Guilty Feminist podcast, which is fantastic, and I can't believe I haven't listened to it before like this year. It's great, isn't it? It's so good. It's so interesting as well, working through the back catalogue when like different things were coming up in the world. Um, but they always open every podcast with just like this massive sort of confessional about the things you've done, you know, that, that make them a guilty feminist or not a perfect, you know. You know, not perfect person. So I thought, did we have any things you wanted to confess to this month? <laughs> yeah. I do. This, I'm going to go way back. Um, and this is so shameful. Am I really going to do this here? <laughs> okay, so I was uh, at university in 1980. And I was on my way to, on a Saturday, to a, a pro-abortion rally in uh, Molesworth Street outside Parliament and I was distracted by a shoe shop with a sale <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't end up going to the rally. <laughs> it's awful, eh? Uh, oh, Michelle! <laughs> we forgive so you. Oh, do you though? Do you though? I don't feel it. I don't, I no, I, I, oh. not only do I forgive you, but I understand entirely. Oh, thank you. I am, you know, I know it's a cliche to be into shoes, but I really am. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were fucking beautiful. They were yellow, soft, buttery leather brogues. 
Anyway, that's, that's enough. If they weren't fuck me boots, which would have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> Stripper heels. Oh, yeah. maybe I feel a bit better. I actually, maybe that would have been better. If, you know. Yeah, yeah, might have been. Well, that's good. Get that off your chest. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Mine's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I have a million, and it's it's probably mostly to do with uh, the kind of media I consume. I feel like Michelle and I have already talked about hip-hop, and that's a hugely problematic area. I do prefer female rappers, just for the record, but I listen <laughs> to music that has some really terrible lyrics. But the thing I was thinking about this afternoon is, uh, so there was another podcast recorded earlier, um, our politics podcast, um, Gone Before Lunchtime, and Annabelle Lee, who's one of the three podcasters, brings her baby, Waimahi Rose, to most of the recordings, who's just the most delicious little yeah. girl. Um, and I told her repeatedly for about half an hour what a pretty, cute baby she was. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, you're not meant to say stuff like that. <laughs> and then I was like, but, you know, Waimahi Rose, we don't know each other very well. You can't <laughs> tell me what you're into. I know you will be very bright and capable <laughs> one day, but at the moment all I have to go on is how, how ridiculously good-looking you are, yeah. tiny baby. And so that was that was my that was today's that was just today's <laughs> guilty feminist moment. As soon as she shows an interest in science and mathematics, you'll be encouraging I'm the fuck out of that, Auntie right? Leone will buy her a microscope, yeah. but. Yeah. Or she'll get into the hot take industry. She'll find this tape at the age of 18 and she's just going to skewer yeah. you to death. She's going to be like, you're the reason why my self-worth is tied to my looks. <laughs> um, mine is maybe a bit dark. No, I don't know. It's not. I, I don't what, darker than going shoe shopping when you should have been processing for abortion? <laughs> I basically recently decided after two years off it that I would go back on the pill mm. because I would rather have slightly clearer skin <laughs> than any control over my moods. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I went off it because it made me go insane, but then I got sick of having pimples. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think if you're... Taking responsibility for your fertility and the byproduct of that is clearer skin. <laughs> I support you, sister. Yeah. Well, come talk to me in a month's time. <laughs> yeah. I am going to be crying. <laughs> no matter where I am or what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen off the pill anyway, right? That's just biology, mood swings. It's true. Does it or get worse for you on the worse pill? Than... It gets worse on. Ah, okay. Yeah. I never so really going pills, off it, so I, I felt like I had more control. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Have you gone back onto the same brand? Yeah. Uh, okay. Just right back into it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Why? Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I'll, I'll cry. No <laughs> Before we get away from workplace harassment entirely, I would like to talk about Michelle. You tweeted a list. A fantastic list on Twitter uh, following the sort of revelations out of Russell McVeigh. It was a handy list of what not to say when someone expresses discomfort in the workplace. Yeah. And I, so I bashed that out and I was uh, waiting to catch a plane and I'd just been in the car listening to people uh, talking about what women needed to do to protect themselves from and why don't women talk up, speak up sooner and why don't people speak, women speak out about being uh, made to feel uncomfortable in the workplace. And I thought of all the reasons why, you know, times when I might have said I'm uncomfortable and what people have said to shut that down or diminish it, you know, mm. that you're imagining things, you're being hysterical, you're being emotional, nobody else has a problem with them. So I wrote that list of, I don't know, 15 um, things and tweeted it out and invited people to see and to, to reply with the stuff that's said to them to diminish and dismiss their discomfort in the workplace. And it's a really, uh, um, I was going to say beautiful thread, but it's not. It's <laughs> sublime. Sublime. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking heartbreaking. Of, and these are, uh, these are things that have actually been said to people. So I'm going to compile that as a proper list and whack it on the website. But it was just amazing that it resonated. People are so used to trying to speak up about this person is making me feel uncomfortable or that behaviour is unacceptable to me. And there are so many ways that people have that we've all got mm. of going, ah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry about it, love. And it doesn't help that most HR strategies, if there's even one in place, 
are designed to protect the company, mm. not of course. the people working yeah, for the company who are, you know, the ones coming forward with complaints. And that sort of came out recently as well. Um, there had been some um, complaints around uh, sexual harassment at the Human Rights Commission, which is, of course, the last place you would expect mm. that kind of behaviour. Um, and they, the processes in place were inadequate, which sort of made me think that there's thousands of workplaces where your bosses are progressive, you love your workmates, you wouldn't think for a second that, that you would need that kind of process. And the spin-off included because I cannot for a second fathom that kind of behaviour here because we're close and we keep each other in check and we're all really honest with each other and our bosses are exceptional. But, you know, we still end up having that conversation where we said, look, our HR, we need... We need some kind of process around this so that we don't end up like HRC. You know, you can't just go, it won't happen to us because it might. Yeah, right. That's a really interesting point that it's top down rather than bottom up. So it's about protecting the company's brand. So all these companies have had investigations. Yeah. But only, they have only really served to suppress anything getting out to public. And they've been successful until now, Yeah, yeah. you know, but now uh, people are very much about letting stuff out into the public. Mm. So I guess in a, seen as unfair. in a practical way then for, again, I don't want to give, put things on women's to-do lists, <laughs> <laughs> but if you work in, a, in an organisation that has an HR department asking what their policy is mm. on sexual yeah. harassment, and, and if they don't have one, find out why yeah. and suggest it's a good idea but also having a look at it to see whether it would actually work for you yeah. and then maybe the next thing on your to-do list ladies because you've got <laughs> fuck all else on yeah. is to make some suggestions about how that would work better yeah mm. i mean other genders as well are welcome to approach sure. HR all and genders. especially men and to be honest yeah totally. Totally. she can do something jesus <laughs> <laughs> Lift a bloody bloody finger. finger. Fucking hell, they're not cooking, they're not cleaning, they're not fucking sorting this shit out. Sorry. Hello. Whenever somebody says, you know, if Woody Allen hadn't been allowed to work, think of the movies we would have missed out on. What about the movies that we've missed out on because he's been holding that space? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Thank you. (laughs) You know, this movie's not that great. No, I, you know? yeah. <laughs> I agree. There's there was a couple in there that were always looking at back in the day. <laughs> what else do we want to talk about here? What about abortions? Hey, <laughs> Michelle, well. there's a shoe sale on. Get out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to go and uh, I think there's some brogues I need to... <laughs> It's Lent time, hey, right? That, so yes. all the, the protesters are back out on Dominion Road. If you're oh. not in Auckland, there's a... Um, uh, what, what would you, it's not just an abortion clinic, right? It's like a, a health clinic. Is it a sexual health clinic? Sexual health clinic, yes. we call it, on um, Dominion Road. And there is always a small contingent of um, pro-lifers who just sit there, you know? Just you know, ruining it for us. <laughs> you know just they, want to go to Valentine's for lunch. It's and, my birthday. And, and what they're not doing, what they're not doing is knitting booties or <laughs> um, baking casseroles or doing anything to help somebody who might be actually having stresses raising children. They just want to and just insert themselves into women's lives as they're making their own personal private yeah. choice to not become a parent at this particular moment. Yeah. It's so depressing how young a lot of them are as well. I mean, they're mostly older people. Mm. But every now and again you see just like someone, like a teenager out there, like protesting the abortion clinic. and it's Which is why that piece depressing. on the spin-off, which I think you have linked from our page on Facebook uh, about why people should speak up about abortion is so terrific. I've mm. forgotten her name, but you'll know it. Nicole um, Yes, who used to be uh, anti-abortion, pro-life, mm, yeah. as they like to frame it, uh, and now works for um, the to all rands abortion law. What mm. is it? Reform Association of New Zealand, uh, and it's a really thoughtful, really mm. considered piece that gives you some insight into why somebody might be a anti-abortion and why they might become pro-abortion and why they might need to think about how they raise their voice on that. Yeah. I really connected with um, the piece 
I liked her comments about how, you know, she was raised Catholic and so therefore she was anti-abortion and got involved with uh, women's issues at university and therefore was pro-choice, but still had this thing in the back of her mind that said, I am pro-choice, but I would never do it. Mm. And I have to confess that uh, that was me for a very long time, um, simply for the fact that all of my, not all of, but a lot of my high school friends got pregnant at high school, had their babies, lived their lives, mm. everyone's happy, healthy today, as you, you know, as you can imagine. And so in my mind, I always had this thing in the back of my mind, yes, I'm pro-choice, but if they can do it, then anyone can do it. Mm. So I was pro-choice with conditions, you know, like, yeah, right. like health or whatever, you know, but in my mind, I think a part of me still thought that if you were of sound mind and body and could physically provide for a child, even if it was going to nearly kill you, then you should do it. Right. And I actually had that in the back of my yeah. mind for a really long time. And it was just because, you know, I had these friends that had had children at 17, 18, 19, and they'd done just fine. Um, and it was, yeah, it wasn't until, I don't feel that way anymore, but it wasn't until reading um, Nicole's piece that I realised how long I had had that belief. Yeah. Mm. You know, and I was like, I was really disturbed by it, really sort of tapped into a, oh, shit. So it is actually possible to be pro-choice for the wrong reasons, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's still with conditions. And it's not even something I really talked about. Now that I'm saying that, I feel like I may have <laughs> said to someone once, if you, if you can, you should. Uh, which is not my place yeah, to say, yeah. you know. It's yeah. not my place to decide the parameters for people's lives. It's nobody's place. Yeah. Um, but we should have options. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. So the law is currently under review. Is that correct? Yes. Are uh, the laws going to be reviewed by Jacinda's yes. thrown down? Yes. Yeah. Because at the moment, I mean, a lot of people don't really understand this. It's um, Abortion still comes under the Crimes Act, and mm. women can get an abortion if they apply for it on the grounds that either the fetus the fetus's life is in danger or her life is in danger or she will go mad so 13 and the the most common like one of the grounds for getting an abortion is not that you've been raped or that you're underage or any of those things there are only those considerations and so um it means that the 13,000 women who have abortions each year in New Zealand have for the most part lied to mm. get that abortion to have it approved by two doctors and so the push from people like Orans and, and many of us is that abortion is not a, a crime it's a health issue mm. and we should be able to make choices about when we become parents without lying without telling a lie I've seen people sort of tweeting there's also a lot of power and Jacinda pushing this through um whilst being visibly pregnant you know it's yeah. a real strong symbol of like yeah it's entirely my choice yeah i can also i can have this and i can think that yeah and that's fine and yeah. i do that's not eat babies i <laughs> sometimes actually i'm going to pop them out so yeah it's uh, can i just say it's, i know we're going to get to book club but i've just uh, i've just read margaret sparrow's third book on the history of abortion in new zealand risking their lives mm. and it was so fascinating to me that from this period 1900 to 1940 abortion and contraception were exactly the same issue in the public eyes and legally uh, the, abortion and contraception were both abhorred M many of much of it was based on um, racist views that it was race suicide that Pākehā were um, not producing enough humans and New Zealand was going to be taken over by Māori so that's what the editorials and <laughs> truth suicide. and so forth were all about <laughs> never heard that term before and uh, yeah race suicide table oh something editorial from from shouldn't New have Zealand so many truth. wars then white people I know just stop <laughs> it eh stay home and chill uh, and then it was just about how unnatural it was for women to say no to motherhood that this mm. was a point right. and also you know people like um Plunkett, uh, the guy who started Plunkett, whose name escapes me now. Who, Mr. Plunkett. Mr. Plunkett, he wasn't, his name wasn't Plunkett. Oh. Um, Sean? Uh, Truby King. <laughs> Truby King. <laughs> Truby. Truby King. Who believed that sex was, uh, that all mammals hate sex. And that if you introduce contraception, for example, then it reduces the sex act to purely pleasure. And that's incredibly dangerous and wrong. So... 
I just find it really interesting that in the la- since 1940 we have changed our attitudes quite a lot on contraception. Now it's something that you need to do to be a responsible grown-up. If you've got a few pimples. And Baskin. <laughs> uh, not Baskin, that was overstating it. Just a few pimples. She was right, she said it right. Call a spade a spade, Michelle, it's fine. I can't see it from here. And, uh, yeah, so, but, so we've changed our attitude to contraception, but we haven't changed our attitude to abortion. Mm. Mm. And it's coming. Yeah. Margaret Sparrow says right on the last page of her book that her dream, I have a dream, <laughs> and it is that every woman... Uh, is would be able to take a pill in the privacy of her own home yeah. once a month whenever she doesn't want to be pregnant. A cheap, efficient, safe pill, you take it once a month if you don't want to be pregnant. Sounds like a dream. Yeah, is, really hold does. on, though. Hold on. I'd rather have that than going to fucking Mars. Does it make yeah. your skin better, though? Ah, <laughs> only briefly. The important things. Yeah. I feel like, oh no, this is going to be so uninformed, but I remember like reading or saying, or maybe dreaming, that they'd come up with this really intricate device in the 60s that was like a home, it sounds really disgusting now, but like a home abortion thing. Yeah. And they were like, oh no, we can't. It, It would have been the solution maybe you know, it wasn't it wasn't chemical but i don't know if that's real or in a sci-fi movie oh, but it would be great up again because <laughs> uh. you know so that's interesting to me you know lots of people who are anti-abortion pro-contraception you know really like the idea in iud and iud doesn't actually stop you conceiving it stops the fetus in the first hours and days from remaining in your uterus so it's not actually a contraceptive. Oh, really? It, no. So you can, a, a sperm can meet a, 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 what do you call them? Embryo. Is it? No, not an embryo. What the fuck am I talking about? An ovum. <laughs> an ovum. Thank you. Uh, and fertilise it. But the IUD will stop it from having anywhere to live. So it, the body expels it. That's how IUD works. Interesting. I didn't know that. This is a really scientific podcast now. We just went from my just faffing about I love that, that idea may or may though. not exist. Vacuuming out stuff about sperm. It's what women were trying to do in the in the <laughs> 1800s and early 1900s. Was you know they used things called whirling syringes to um, oh my god yeah yeah, 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 to try and sort of douche the ah! whatever it was out of there. Yeah. My ovaries just tried to escape out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shut up now. <laughs> oh dear. What about Jacinda's creepy 60 minute interview? Oh, Should we God. talk about that? I saw a headline today that said uh, it was from a maybe a UK or an Australian paper that said New Zealanders were mad about it. I'm just not mad. I'm just no. creeped out and quite bemused. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the whole country is. I feel it's, like she was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it that she afterwards went no look i'm uh, inured to that guy i didn't yeah. have it but you look at the still shots of her face <laughs> you're like we've all done that face before <laughs> we know that exact situation he's um it was like a joke like it was like a fake interview i mean to be was. to be fair i've only seen supercuts and madeline chapman and alice's um amazing Rom- rom-com trailer that they cut together yeah. with the best moments from the interview. And also uh, Mad- Madeline Chapman had also written a piece for the site um, about how to write a piece about Jacinda with all of the <laughs> yes. tired old tropes that people have used in, in stories about her and, and Clark. Um, and then she rolled them all into one ridiculous piece and it was very, very funny. And then the 60 Minutes comes along and it's... <laughs> Just a video version of the satirical story that Madeline wrote. Yeah. The fishing and the pregnancy and the talking yep. about how attractive she is and oh. When did you actually do it? And I'm surprised he wasn't doing, you know, those oh. little oh, yeah. finger into the yeah. circle made by the forefinger and thumb. When did you? Because people are counting back. No, they're not. Who's it's doing that? Just you. Well, to be honest, some people I know were. Yeah, okay. But yeah. <laughs> But then I'm not proud of that of them. Yeah. <laughs> what I, I mean, I quite like that these things they just do not slip by unnoticed now. There's yeah. just no chance. Like everyone True. is looking at everything, and I mean that guy's never going to do anything like that again, you know. And people will watch that and go, "Well, yeah, maybe I shouldn't like." Yeah. 
ask Jacinda when she had sex yeah. <laughs> next time I see her. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't ask any woman that. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty safe rule of thumb. Makes you think. I haven't had another anti oh, bad feminist thought just then. She is looking so great. I know. <laughs> the bar is so fucking high, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. She's glowing. She yeah, really is. She's she glowing. Really is. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and no, I find it frightening that, you know, now, how are you going to get any accolades for achievement if you're not, you know, fucking 39 running a country and having, a, having baby a baby simultaneously? Yeah. Jesus. It's quite good, though, because to me, it's just like, well, don't try now. You know, okay, like, off the hook. You, you're just never. <laughs> I'm never gonna do that. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> what about Jennifer Lawrence? I've been I've been thinking about this. Poor, like, poor cold. Constantly, Jennifer Lawrence in this shot for. I'm assuming it was for that Red Sparrow movie. Red Sparrow. With all the other male stars of the film, and on a chilly, chilly London day, they're all in coats and scarves and, you know, and, and pants. And <laughs> bunch of she's posses. wearing this beautiful ball gown. And it just like tore everyone apart and I'm finding it really confusing to reconcile like, Ma- I think Maddie Holden, Moschetti on Twitter called it like, Jennifer Lawrence is allowed to be cold wave of feminism. Because <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely like don't know what to think about yeah. it. Because yeah. then she so, came out saying this is ridiculous, yeah. this was my choice, I wanted to, you know, I wasn't going to hide that beautiful dress. It lasted five minutes, I was fine. You know, she probably had people with hair dryers warming her up in between the <laughs> photographs. It's a really good example, I think, for people wherever you stand on feminism. It's a good re-up on the lesson that just don't comment on how people look. Yeah. Just don't do it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Even if you think you're trying to be helpful or woke or whatever, like at the end of the day, the person that you're talking about has agency over themselves. And as she... Explained. She's like, I wasn't going to cover up that fucking gorgeous Gorgeous Versace sound. I love fashion. I wanted people to see the dress that I was wearing. That's why I was not wearing a coat. I think the only thing that we're all supposed to do, and we do it in the privacy of of our own heads, is to um, check in with ourselves on our motivation. Mm. Are we Mm -hmm. happy Mm. that we're doing this for us, or are we doing it for the machine, or is there an expectation, is there a smidge of us that is uncomfortable with this? Are we being manipulated? Are we being prepared for the male gaze? If the answer to all of that stuff is no, then fucking wear your Versace dress, and somebody will warm you up with a hot toddy as soon as it's (laughs) over, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, it was just interesting watching everyone, like, Scramble because the first thing I saw was like, I think it was on the Herald, it was like, Grim Image reveals reality of sexism in Hollywood. Really? I was like, what is this going to be? Oh. And I just go, I was like, oh, oh, she looks great. Like, looks great. I just looked at that and thought, like, nothing. You know, I just go, oh, that's... like, there's yeah. a lot of genuinely grim stuff happening in <laughs> yeah, Hollywood. Uh-huh. Of all the things. But one of them is not <laughs> one of the most successful women in the world being stuffed into a dress and pushed out into a public appearance against her will. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a step too far. Oh, dear. Good. Well, that's that solved. <laughs> <laughs> what about some cool tips of the month? I haven't been doing this properly. Let's let's go back to Oh, segments. no, that's my fault. I've been hearing I feel all over the <laughs> fucking shop. Um, I have two, actually. Oh, my goodness. <gasps> I um, I follow, started following a couple of Instagram accounts um, that are all about... Um, cheap skincare and cosmetic tips for kind of for teens I guess it's sort of like hacks like who does the best drugstore um, highlighter or mascara or what do you do for this kind of skin or whatever um, but a lot of them produce um, hashtag ho tips yeah. which I actually really <laughs> freaking love like they just um, I feel so empowered by these lists of just like ways to ho better <laughs> Like, what, you know what, what platform is this on? Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's like these young, mostly like hot black young women who are like, you know what, if you, here's how you get rid of razor burn. Here's how you make, you no, know, smell better. Here's like all like tip after tip after tip. And they're so brazen, oh like God. tips I'm on looking. how to give blowjobs and stuff like that. It's really great. Um, but there was one woman who gave advice on the whole um, how to not get razor burn. She's a, she was a stripper. Mm. Um, and she was like, first things first, use men's razors and avoid the pink tax. Oh, my so God. So that's how you yes. do it. 
cheaper. And so oh, I, I was like... Oh, I thought you were going to say that men's blades would be better Oh, they are. They are. And they're cheaper. Oh, fuck. So she had some other things. So apparently you're meant to like put um, like dabbing alcohol straight on because it closes the pores and then moisturise or whatever. And then you can shave every day and not ever have any any razor burn or stubble. Wow. Um, so then... With that, armed with that fact, I canvassed all the dudes at work about what the best disposable razors are for dudes because I wasn't going to buy one of each just to see how good they were. True. Um, so their answer across the board was Gillette. Okay. The best man can get. <laughs> um, so I just bought some disposable Gillette, just like the blue disposable razors. I love and it. they're actually the best razors I've ever used. How many blades? Are they multi bladed? Those ones are three or four. Yeah. Three. Um, yeah. Great. Multiple blades, cheaper than the lady version, better than the lady version. Yep. And, um, yeah. Wow. But see, I had been led to believe by advertising that you needed the special pink one with the butterfly on it to fit <laughs> to the curves of the woman's body. And the little... Because men's faces are completely square and don't very have Very different. Curves. They're flat and they've got corners <laughs> and edges. They are squares. And so apparently you don't need the little sliver of cakey soap thing no, attached just to the makes blade. it all slimy oh, yeah. and weird. Yeah. Don't need that. <laughs> yeah. um, my other thing was I discovered that my bupanthin antiseptic cream, which I just have left mm. two tubes left over from various tattoos, mm. um, it's very good at getting rid of pimples. Hey! Hey! I found it out by accident. Does it stop you getting pregnant as well? Or yeah, clear up your skin? Stick it on down there. <laughs> No one's gone near. No one's gone near. <laughs> <laughs> It'd burn, probably. Oh, that's good. So you just apply it like a little dab. Like yeah, a... you know those sort of big sore ones that mm-hmm. you can feel coming through and you yep. feel like quite powerless the to do anything. The blind one. You're like, yeah. in two days, Rangi Toto will be upon my face <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about it. I put Bepanthin on at that moment and nothing ever happened. And I've done it ever since. It's like four or five now. Wow. Of so the good. big bastards yeah. have been Excellent. killed before they even tried to get me. This is this is good. This I like it. Really good. So those are my two cool tips. Really good my tips. My high tips. They're very good tips. What about you, Michelle? Okay, you so got? mine's just a product that I bought that has completely changed my life. I don't want to overblow it or anything. Um, so I now have a travel hair straightener. Because uh, <laughs> I've got a fringe. And if I I discovered when I was uh, doing the Buscals Fest, Buskers Festival in Christchurch for two weeks, walking from my hotel to the venue, half an hour, northwester, humidity. I looked like a scene out of something about Mary by the time I got <laughs> to mm. the to the show with my fringe sticking <laughs> straight up or else flattened down and stuck into my makeup. Anyway, it was just a disaster. So um, I just, and hair straighteners are really bulky and heavy and, you know, the c- ceramic ones. Went to a store found a little tiny one it's about six Aww. inches long Aww. and you charge it up it's by a usb you can charge it on your computer or you can oh, sure. plug it in Aww. and it charges up and it will last for well it would last me for four days of just fixing my fringe basically it's a, in the green room I at the show it. so instead of walking around going oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck i'm really tense because i think my fringe <laughs> is getting completely fucked you're going, I don't care what you do to my fringe, humidity and wind. <laughs> and when you get there, you just you turn it on, fix your fringe. So, and it's so tiny, you can put it in a handbag. And it's, it. It, was, it weighs almost nothing. So that's all. That's good. It was on special at uh, uh, Harvey Norman's. So, yep. It's great. Cool. Excellent. I'm so relaxed now. Yeah, you seem relaxed. Ah, it's what it is. It's <laughs> not the meditation. <laughs> it's the hair straightener. My, my two things are actually both hair and skin related as well. Yay. Uh, first is a product. A tangle teaser. Who knew? Oh, those little plastic ones. They're like, it looks like a little horse brush that you hold in the palm of your hand. It doesn't have a handle and it's just got little plastic bristles at a different length. It's witchcraft. <laughs> Honestly, really? I thought like you think of all things like the hairbrush they might have figured out by now. But here comes Mr. Tangle Teaser. Changes the game forever. <laughs> like I have the thickest, most just horrible, knotty nightmare hair. Translated, she's got really <laughs> thick, beautiful I've hair. I've straightened it now. Um, <laughs> at home though, plugged in. <laughs> and it's just the most incredible hairbrush ever. Like and I heard people talking about it and I was like, don't talk shit. All hairbrushes are the same. Yeah. This is so stupid. And then I bought one and I'm like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Oh. Yeah, really amazing. Yes. And I can't even really describe why. It's just like everything is just one swipe. Even if you have a rat's nest, it just mm. like does wizard like 
wizard stuff. Yeah, they are amazing. My granddaughter, who's got the tightest curly spiral hair, mm. Polynesian curly spiral hair, that's all you can use on her because otherwise you're just going to lose your hand. <laughs> so, so I support you. Yeah, two votes tangle tees. The other thing was a tip that I got from a YouTuber, like a... I don't know what her credentials are. She says she's a dermatologist, but she could, she could just be lying. But um, I was watching because I started using this new skin cream and I was scared it was going to burn my face off. But during her talking about it, she also just recommended something if um, before you moisturise... Like, just make sure your skin is, like, slightly damp and moisturise on top of the damp skin and it will lock oh. in the moisture. Because I always, like, made my face bone dry <laughs> before I moisturise. But if huh. you keep it damp, moisturise up, it okay. locks. Yeah, I've noticed that it just locks in a little bit more moisture. Interesting. Yeah. yeah also, it slightly dilutes the moisturiser too, which, which would help, I mean, in terms of helping it slide all over the place Spread and give around. you an even, even coverage. Spread it around. Exactly. I believe that's a technical term. <laughs> that's the end of cool tips love yeah. it do um, we have any watch club book clubs before we get on to I want to talk about the movie of the month obviously oh yeah. um, yes. but before that what else have we been watching and reading and enjoying can I just quickly say that I love uh, discovered on Amazon Goliath um, which has a pretty heavy female cast the lead is Billy Bob Thornton but the it's and it's about a law firm <laughs> Apropos, <laughs> uh, and uh, like the, it's really heavily weighted female cast and wonderful people like Molly Parker um, and Nina Arianda, who I just fucking adore. I can't even tell you what either. Oh, Molly Parker was in. Um, oh, I, my brain won't tell me. Anyway, if you saw their faces, you go, oh. Her. Uh, and that, so I've just finished series one. Series two is being made this year, and it's going to start Alexandra Billing, who is the transgender actress who was in Transparent. And the interesting thing oh, yeah. for me about it is that Alexandra is going to be playing a non-trans-specific character. She's just going to play a woman cool. in series mm. two. And that's yeah. new-ish, unusual-ish. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting series. So, yeah, that's me. And it was Goliath. Yes. Um, I've been watching Drag Race All-Stars. <gasps> yes. Did I tell you I watched my first RuPaul? Oh, really? I fucking love it. <laughs> so good, right? Um, what season did you start on? Uh, five. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Such a good season. The hundredth episode was the first one, or the thousandth episode, or the something. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Sorry, you've got such a beautiful journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I reckon it's a good season. Yeah. I think everyone's um, really on the A game. And I, I don't know. I can't even tell who my favourite is. I think it's... Ben de la Creme, but maybe I just think that because Ben's been like winning everything. But I really love Trixie Mattel because I think she's really funny and all of her like behind the scenes like commentary about everyone else is so freaking yeah, funny. Yeah, she's a great narrator. And uh, season 10 starts like a week after All Stars finishes, which is also pretty good when you have like a serious drag race addiction. Beautiful. I'm quite happy about. I've also been uh, reapping on a couple of Lightbox shows that were just sitting there waiting for me when I went back to Lightbox. And I watched all of Mozart in the Jungle, which is just like the best soap ever, and Preacher, which is super violent and probably not a very good feminist watch. Actually, no, that's not true, actually, because one of the main characters, Ruth Negger, uh, is amazing. And it's like a, it's based on like a comic um, or a graphic novel, sorry, um, about a, a preacher who is a former assassin and he goes home to be a preacher in his daddy's old church um, and then something happens and he gets somehow imbued with the voice of God and he can do, make people do whatever he wants, which um, he uses for, both for good and for bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. Uh, she's his sort of old lover and they've been through a lot together or whatever. Anyway, she's amazing, but they kill a hell of a lot of people. <laughs> it's incredibly violent, but I really love it. I like, um, I like a dark comic. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In reading wise, I did want to recommend uh, not a book, but I read this really interesting um, article in Art Forum recently. It's from the January 2018 Art Forum um, magazine about contemporary art and artists. And they've got um, an article, it's called Fully Loaded Power and Sexual Violence. And it's sort of like a contemporary history of um, women artists making work about rape and sexual violence. Um, and the, a lot of the, the work I'd just never heard about before and I was just really blown away by um, how brave and audacious a lot of it was. One of the more prominent ones I think that people might have heard about is um, 
Emma Solkowitz, who was a Columbia University student, did um, a piece called, it was a performance piece called uh, Mattress Performance, Carry That Weight. And she carried a dorm like campus mattress around everywhere with their 50-pound mattress um, for the entire year, uh, as long as her rapist, who was another student, wow. um, remained enrolled at Columbia University. Wow. So that was her piece. She mm. carried this giant mattress with her everywhere she went. Um, and there was a bunch of students that um, honoured her recently and, and recreated the performance. But that one I had sort of heard about, but um, I just thought it was a really... It's written by a really great art writer, um, and it just talks about lots of really amazing pieces that I was like, I feel like everyone should read this piece. It's really... Mm. crazy and cool mm. we'll wait the, the link out we will we'll put the link yeah. on the facebook page what is it facebook.com slash the no not the real pod that's the other <laughs> one otr pod is where you can find us we will be putting all of these recommendations um on the drag race note i've just discovered this other drag race competition show which is called dragula which is like kind of more like horror kind of darker drag like Sharon Needles but everyone's Sharon Needles and worse cool. and it's so cool <laughs> and it's real lo-fi like the drag queens look amazing but it's shot and like no one has microphones it's like <laughs> <laughs> this Canadian show you can watch it on TVNZ on demand it's really it's really quite something if you go through drag withdrawals oh my God, okay. between all stars episodes one thing I was also going to try and find is apparently there's one other country that has drag race like actual RuPaul's drag race oh yeah drag Thailand race. Thailand yeah that would be amazing right yeah the performances the singing the yeah, music yeah that's going to be really good I'm yeah. going to find some yeah Chase it up. I wanted to just give a massive shout out to the new Queer Eye because <laughs> yeah. I have watched it. I watched it all like in almost one sitting. I'm obsessed with it. I'm, I'm really sad there's no new episodes. I've started having dreams about them because I'm so obsessed with them. Aww. But the reboot is just, to me, it's like almost the perfect show. You Where is it available? It's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, oh. so they've rebooted it just as Queer Eye, not Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Yep. And they've sort of... I think they say in the opening episode, it's like the first first time round they're looking for. I'm going to say it the wrong way. Was it acceptance? Tolerance. Oh, no, tolerance. Sorry, tolerance. And now they're looking for acceptance. Yeah. So it's sort of it goes way beyond just sort of like judging up your sleeves and all the things that they used to do. They still <laughs> yeah. do that. Yeah. Which I, you know, is also just really good TV on its own. Yeah. Um, but they go real deep and have some quite tense conversations. They pick people you know like a redneck cop and they have these really interesting conversations about black lives matter they pick wow. a, um, a, a pastor who you know is from a traditional church and they talk about homophobia in the church and i just find it it's it's fascinating yeah. and they're, they're really like not afraid to spend time like they'll pick up little threads if someone says something in passing they're like well let's talk about what you just said you know why do you think there has wow. to be someone has to be the wife in the marriage you know it's it's really interesting so this is 15 years since the original i'm just a friend of yeah. mine was on one of the original wow. queer in london yeah um and i'm thinking that was early 2000s so what a fantastic way of being able to measure how much society has evolved in terms of its mm. attitudes yeah, that's great. Mm. And it's a, it's a whole new cast and, and everything like that, even though, you know, Carson Cresley's still doing his yeah. thing on Drag Race. But it does have um, the guy, the hairstylist in this in the new season is um, Jonathan Van Ness, who um, you might know as um, Gay of Thrones. He does those <laughs> incredible Game of Thrones recaps, where it's just him and uh, a client who's here he's doing, which is quite often another um, gorgeous. comedian talking about gay, Game of Thrones. It was so funny. And he's amazing. Even just off the cuff. He's just brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> he's so funny. I really love it. I saw a good tweet that was like, me at the start of Queer Eye. Oh, I don't know about this Jonathan guy. He seems kind of annoying. Me at the end. And then it's that clip of Oprah talking about Gail being like, she was the sister I never had. <laughs> she was the mother I always needed. <laughs> I was just like, yes. He sums is. up everything. I love him. Yeah. And then I suppose the really big media moment of the month has been Black Panther. Yay! Yay! Woo! End on a high. I've seen it once. Yeah. Uh, Did I've you seen, go and see it I'm again? actually going again tonight. Oh, yeah. I, I went once, and then uh, the teenager I live with um, was selling 
tickets for a fundraiser and she's like, oh, you won't want to come. You've already been. I was like, I'll take two. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen it yet. I'm saving it up. I haven't had an opportunity. I haven't had a night off, but it's the first one on the list. Yeah, it's fantastic for all kinds of reasons. Um, Although I was saying to Alex, one of my favourite things about it is uh, black and indigenous worldview is the given. So Mm. you, it's, it's, taken as read that um, black people over the world have been colonised, that white people are the colonisers, that's like the starting off point, there's no need to explain that so when one of them like casually calls um, one of the two white characters, she's like give me that back coloniser or whatever and I've seen people have got like annoyed that someone called him that but I just think that's such a it's a funny thing to make a joke yeah, about, do yeah, you know what yeah. I mean it's just like, yeah, yeah I mean I just I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Name it. Yeah. That's what it is. And the bad guy is like bad, but for good reasons because you know so many terrible things have been done to black people all over the world. It's like of course you'd be mad about that. Yeah, yeah. it's great. It's a fucking amazing movie. I've seen trailers and it just it looks so fucking beautiful as yeah, well. It is. It's stunning. Ugh. The outfits are just fantastic. The languages, you know, they've used a lot of um, actual African tribes yeah. to represent the different tribes within Wakanda. Um, and then they've used their languages and they sound beautiful and they look beautiful and so cool. There's that real funny tweet with someone, because the, um, the, the villain, well, one of the villains is Andy Serkis, a.k.a. Gollum. And the other white guy in it is, uh, what's his name, Martin Freeman, yeah. a.k.a. Bilbo. And someone was like, they've got their two Tolkien white guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's like it's amazing. really good. Also, to get to the end and be like, those are only two white guys I saw. And it was like, <laughs> it doesn't matter, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. it's such yeah. a breakthrough for, like... It's just, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, yeah. if you have. Yeah, no, I want to see it on the big screen so I can enjoy the sumptuousness yeah. of it as well. Mm. It's just yeah. a good, bloody good Marvel film. It's a, and that's what you a want. movie for black people. Yeah. It's just a really great movie, and most everyone on it happens to be black. Yeah. And the cultures within it are black and African, and the languages and the worldview. But it's not, you know, I just it, mm. you also see stupid people talking about how why do they get a black movie and it's like well hey most every other movie is a white movie oh. also it's not a black movie yeah but it is a movie that celebrates blackness yeah mm. yeah they're like why can't there be a marvel movie like set in sweden with all white people and it's like yeah it's called thor yeah, yeah. <laughs> the viking yeah so that's our recommendations for the month uh thanks guys that been, was fun. It's been great. Are we going to do a quick Yas Queen? Oh, my, oh my God. God. I don't yes. have one. I don't have one. Oh, you, you, I can't you believe go. we you nearly go. forgot. I only say it because mine was literally one of the characters from Black Panther, oh, yes. Shuri. She's uh, the genius of Wakanda. She's like the head engineer of Wakanda Enterprises Group or something. She's like 16, but she's responsible for inventing all of the really cool stuff uh, within that universe. Um, but the actress that plays her, Letitia Wright, is just actually one of the fucking coolest people you ever... She steals every single screen. Mm. There's not a single person that has seen that movie that hasn't come away and gone, shit, she's cool. <laughs> yeah. Because she is. She's amazing. And the character of Shuri is just like perfect role model. She's the she's the role model we want and that we need. That we deserve, God damn it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes queen. Ooh. I guess I'll nominate um, Susie Ferguson for just... Doing an amazing interview with David Seymour this morning on our end. Great, wasn't it? It was so fun. <laughs> and she got the mic drop moment. I was transcribing it because I'm still intending to write about it. Where he said, she kept trying to talk about, well, but what about the fact that it was a woman's body? Why won't you acknowledge that it was sexualized? Do you acknowledge it's sexist? Blah, blah, blah. And then he said, well, can I just say, I think it's a shame the state broadcaster thinks this is the big issue. I'd much rather be here talking about the closure of charter schools, of which I was the architect. <laughs> and then Susie said, well, put it on your T-shirt and we might be able to do it. Oh, <laughs> and, I was like, Boom. and then you hear him going, well, that's all right. And then you just hear him get muted. And she's like, thank you, David Seymour. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, you're so cool. She is amazing, isn't she? Go Susie. I love Go Susie. Her. Go, Go Susie. I don't have one. Is that okay? I just, okay. And my brain won't deliver one to me because I'm too confused and hot. But I, if I think of one, I'll stick it on our page tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there obviously is a yes queen in my life for the month, but I don't know what she is. <laughs> That's right. That's gonna help. Can be all of them. Yay. Thank you guys for getting all the way to the end. Uh, we'll be back next month 
with more exciting content in the Women's Bookshop officially on board as our, as our new exciting. best mates. All right, bye. Hey, Connor. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.